This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. What's up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about playoff hockey. Dave, we've got matchups. We've got kind of a bracket that's going to change on the fly a little bit, but still, uh, it's exciting. I should mention what I say, Dave. That's my colleague, Dave Shane, from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm Ben Goetz. Uh, we are your Golden Knights beat writers for the paper. And like I said, we got a series to break down. Golden Knights, Chicago Blackhawks. It starts Tuesday night. Dave, how ready are you for this matchup? Stoked. I mean, I got like a whole list of Chicago like references I can make, hot, uh, hot dogs and Italian beef and all this stuff. Like Chicago, it's great. Like you know, the bean. When are we gonna see? When are we gonna see a Golden Knights Blackhawks series? Like unless it's a wild card first round or like a conference final or something. That's the thing. These matchups are so unique. You know, the Canucks playing the Blues. So I'm I'm actually stoked just to see. Something different with all of this. Yeah, it's really, I think, exciting and fresh for myself. And I hope I'm speaking for a lot of hockey fans because, yeah, as Dave mentioned, normally the playoffs are kind of set up in this divisional format because the NHL likes to have these rivalries, which is why you saw Penguins and Capitals play each other like a jillion times over the last decade. But now we're mixing it up and it feels feels pretty good. Uh, the Knights are playing, as we mentioned up the top, the number 12 Chicago Blackhawks because they earned the number one seed in the Western Conference. We're going to detail how they got that and then how they match up with the Blackhawks throughout this episode. It's going to be a good one. Before we get uh, a little bit more into it, I want to remind you all that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by NFL Sunday Ticket, Deal Dash, and Favor, drinkafavor.com. Also a reminder that you can check out all of Dave and I's written work uh, at ReviewJournal.com or just pick up the print edition. Uh, shameless plug, we have a giant special section coming out in uh, Tuesday's paper. It's 16 pages 
everything you need to know to get ready for the NHL playoffs when it comes to the Golden Knights. Uh, I've got a big story on Pete DeBoer. Dave details kind of the preparation the Knights put in during, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, and of course now phase four in the bubble to get to this point. There's a ton of good stuff in there, so I would highly recommend you guys check that out. Uh, also a reminder to uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We're very excited to be talking to you guys about the NHL playoffs. We're going to try to uh, hit you guys up with as many episodes as we can from now until whenever the Golden Knights finish uh, the postseason, whether that's in this round or in the Stanley Cup final, because it's fun to uh, talk hockey and specifically playoff hockey, one of the best postseason tournaments, I think, in all of pro sports. Uh, so as I mentioned off the top, we're going to a quick breakdown before we dive into their first round series, how the Knights got this matchup and how they got the number one seed in the Western Conference. Uh, we last talked to you guys after the Golden Knights exhibition game in their first round robin game against the Dallas Stars, which they won with a third period comeback. They then defeated the St. Louis Blues 6-4 on Thursday and defeated the Colorado Avalanche 4-3 in overtime to win the Western Conference's round robin. Alex Tuck provided that top seed clinching goal by beating Avalanche goaltender Philip Grubauer. Dave, now that the Knights have have the actual number one seed, we talked to them kind of entering the round robin about kind of the implications and how big of a boost that might be. But what do you think it actually does for them now to get that number one spot? You know, on the surface, it gives them a quote unquote easier matchup. I'm not sure it's easier matchup. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that. But obviously, Chicago being the 12 seed, it, it gives them the pet, it gives them the easiest path to start with. But what I find interesting is the way that the round robin kind of all shook down, I guess you could say, is if there's not an upset, they would face the Blues in the second round. So did they get an easier path like like they said they wanted or or in theory they were supposed, supposed to get? I don't know. I, I mean, I guess we'll find out, you know, if there's an upset then it's going to uh, it's going to be advantageous for them at that point because they're going to get the quote-unquote easier matchup. Like, you know, uh, if the Canucks happen to, you know, knock off the Blues or something. Uh, I mean, this is going to be a little bit of a roll the dice kind of, kind of postseason. I think everything's going to be different. I think we could see some crazy upsets. I think by the time this thing is done, the team lifting the Stanley Cup might be a team that we didn't necessarily expect to be lifting it uh, or it could be exactly who we expected. So uh, just the unpredictability of everything is, is probably going to make the top seed something that they want in their back pocket. You know, it's better to have it than not. I guess maybe that's the best way to say it. Yeah, totally. Especially because uh, as you kind of mentioned there, I never count on the uh, NHL postseason going chalk. We saw even last year, the four division winners were all knocked out in the first round. Um, and even perusing the odds this morning, Monday morning, as we're recording this, I believe the Calgary Flames are actually a slight favorite against the Dallas Stars in their matchup. And that's the three versus eight series. So I would be pretty stunned if there isn't some upset throughout the uh, course of the Western Conference playoffs that maybe affords the Knights a slightly easier path. But who knows you know, what that upset could be. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you, Dave, before we dive into the Blackhawks specifically is how much do, do we ultimately take away 
from those three round robin games. It was kind of an interesting, I think, middle ground for a lot of teams where it's obviously more than an exhibition because it counts for something. But they maybe didn't have quite the same intensity we saw from the play-in series just because the stakes are just so much larger uh, for those because, of course, you know, the Blackhawks played the Oilers in a five-game series where it was win or go home. And they only needed four games to literally boot the Oilers out of their own building, which was an interesting kind of side plot there. Ultimately, Dave, how much do you think the round robin prepared the Knights for their first round series? Uh, you know, I mean, it's hard to tell. It, it's This is so different. I mean, I've tried to look at this kind of like a World Cup and like a group stage a little bit. And yeah, you want to come out firing and you want to play well, but you want to kind of build into it. And you want to get out of the group stage and then really start playing well, like in the knockout stages. I kind of feel like the Knights are following that pattern, which is a good thing. Like they didn't play real well, obviously, like you mentioned, the first couple periods against Dallas. And then I thought they played really well against the Blues for the most part, except for just, you know, a couple of mistakes in their own zone. Maybe you'd like to get one or two more saves, but I thought they played well. And then I thought they played pretty well and improved. They can skate with the Avalanche. I mean, I guess if you look, and analytics and and all that sort of stuff like yeah maybe the favorite Colorado but I thought the Knights played pretty well and I thought they deserved you know to win that game it's not like it came against the the run of play so to speak but what's interesting to me is if there's no upsets in in this first round they play the Blues so is it really an easier path I I don't know um, but in terms of just preparing them and and how would they feel about their game uh i mean i think they did the right things and i think they feel good about you know at least six of the last seven periods you know going into this chicago series yeah i mean they obviously went three and oh which is about a good of a start as you could ask for them coming out of the extended break four and oh if you count their exhibition win against the arizona coyotes but now let's talk about a different team that they're now going to be seeing a lot of, and that is the Chicago Blackhawks, who, like I said earlier, were the 12th seed in the Western Conference coming into this restart. They were the second worst team by points percentage that ended up returning to play. They were last in the Central Division when COVID-19 paused the NHL season. But as I mentioned earlier, they did beat the hometown Oilers in four games in their own building. Uh, just kind of on first impression, Dave, what jumps out to you about the Chicago team when you look at them? I mean, obviously the top end, you know, you look at the guys like Patrick Kane, you look at the guys like, you know, Jonathan Taves and on the blue line, uh, Duncan Keith, and even in goal, Corey Crawford, you know, they've got kind of this core that, that's been there since, you know, the first cup in 2010, and they have a lot of experience and a lot of medal. I thought they showed you know, a lot of championship medal in in, uh, in that series against them. But, you know, to be really honest, they're not the deepest team, especially up front. I mean, it was an interesting matchup against the Oilers because it was kind of like good on good. You know, it was like, all right, we're going to have Kane and Taves and Kirby Doc and Kubalik and a couple guys go against McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and all that. It was like best on best and the matchup against the Knights is, is going to be completely different because the Knights are going to roll four lines at them and, and present different challenges, I guess, for, for the Blackhawks. I, I think that's why a lot of people, when you, when you dive into the numbers, a lot of people felt like this is a good matchup for the Knights because of how open 
the Blackhawks play and how many chances they give up. So whether it plays out that way, you know, we'll see. But yeah, what jumps out is just, you know, the the top end, the elite guys that the Blackhawks have. Yeah, Kane, Taves, and Keith have been a part of three Stanley Cup winning teams in Chicago. It's hard to have better championship pedigree than that. Goaltender Corey Crawford, uh, because he's a slacker, was only part of two Cup winning teams. So certainly there's a lot of hardware uh, on that group. But what jumped out to me when I first looked at the Blackhawks kind of top to bottom was actually that they're pretty young as well. Um, They're only 16th in the NHL in average age, according to HockeyReference.com. And that's because while you have some of those older guys at the top, they have a lot of younger guys kind of breaking into the league with them, you know, either this year or last year. So you mentioned Kirby Doc, who was the number three overall pick just last summer. He's been in the NHL basically just slightly over a year from his draft date, but he's seemed to really come into his own in the postseason. They have Dominique Kubalik, who's a 30-goal scorer this season. He's one of the three finalists for the Calder Trophy for top rookie. Uh, apparently, according to Pete DeBoer, Robin Leonard was kind of talking up his shot and his ability to score when DeBoer was kind of picking his brain when it comes to the Blackhawks because Leonard, as we will discuss, I'm sure, in a little bit, is a former Blackhawk. And then, as you kind of touched on there, Dave, this is a run-and-gun outfit. Uh, The Blackhawks had the seventh most five-on-five scoring chances uh, per natural stat trick, but they also allowed the most. So they can put up some chances, but they're also going to give up uh, the other way. And one of the only reasons that they actually made it to the restart and weren't one of those teams that weren't even invited is because they had really good goaltending throughout the year that was able to cover up some of those defensive deficiencies. Um, And then the Knights, for those that are wondering, actually the most 5-on-5 scoring chances in the NHL this year and allowed the seventh fewest. So uh, the Knights have been able to put up some scoring chances but also not give up nearly as much as the Blackhawks going the other way. Um, And as we keep going in here and dive into the Blackhawks, I wanted to break this down kind of uh, position by position to kind of show which team has the edge where. I think a lot of people will not be surprised uh, because, as Dave alluded to, the Knights are heavily favored in this series. uh, So people, I don't think, will be surprised to learn that the Knights have the edge at a lot of these positions. Uh, From what I've seen so far, just from... uh, Early lines, I saw bet online today, I believe, had the Knights as minus 325 to win the series, which was the uh, largest, uh, they are the largest favorite of the first round of the NHL playoffs, which when you're talking about a 1 versus 12, uh, shouldn't exactly surprise anyone. Um, So let's quick start with the forward groups. Um, Dave, as you alluded to, the Blackhawks have, you know, that high-end talent up front. Uh, Patrick Kane is a former MVP, and he had an 80-point season this year. Uh, Captain Jonathan Taze had 60 points, and he looked just great against the Oilers. He scored seven points. I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, when you talk about a championship player, you you have to talk about Jonathan Taves. And then, of course, I mentioned Kubalik in the rookie year that he had. Uh, rookie Kirby Doc, as I said, seems to have come into his own. Uh, Coach Pete DeBoer said that he's a guy that really caught his eye um, so overall, the Blackhawks have some horses, but uh, my question for you is, as you kind of alluded to, do we really think they have the depth to stay with the Knights, though, when the Knights are able to roll out four lines and really, since the restart, three scoring lines? I mean, quick answer is no. 
Um, and I do, you know what, I actually, I want to throw one other guy in there. Um, Cause even though he had a little bit of an off season, Alex Dabrinkit is a big time goal scorer. Um, so I, I don't, I, you know, you look at their first two lines and, and I actually kind of pulled it up here and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. And, you know, one of the things that, that jumped out to me from watching them against Edmonton and it was a question I had for Pete DeBoer is how different they are now that they have Kirby Doc, you know, basically in his second year. I mean, he's still a rookie and it's, you know, all of that, but he had a four month break to continue his development at 19. He's been impressive. So now all of a sudden you've got, you know, a much more formidable top six that they're rolling out. But the bottom six, I, uh, you know, we talk about the Knights and, and their struggles on the third line and, and all of that, you know, maybe it's a matchup that depending on, you know, if the Knights can develop some chemistry there at five on five with Tuck and Juan, whoever plays left wing. Uh, and then especially on the fourth line, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see Ryan Carpenter matching up with that meat grinder line. Um, but more than anything is, is just, I'll transition a little bit here is on defense. You know, I just, I feel like that's especially where the Blackhawks are a little bit thinner and, and where the, the Knights depth can, can potentially wear them down a little bit, especially with the physicality that you're talking about in a, in a series in four games, five games, six games, you know, when you're continually getting Ryan Reeves and William Carrier going in, when you're retrieving a puck and putting you into the glass, it wears on you. And it slows you down. It can't do anything but that. So we'll see what kind of effect that that has. But, you know, there's a reason the Knights are a big heavy favorite. And I think it's because everybody sort of looks at the Blackhawks and, and questions that depth, like you mentioned, Ben. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, Everyone else has 10 seconds to answer, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up, on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code EDGE, or DealDash.fm backslash EDGE. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash EDGE. So we'll we'll break down the blue line. Uh, kind of a similar story here, as you said. Chicago has Duncan Keith, that three-time Cup winner, who had a really good series against the Oilers. He had four assists, and he played 25 minutes a night. Uh, but there's no one else that I would say really jumps out at you. Or if you're 
you know, an opposing forward on the Knights, let's say, that you're really scared to kind of go in the corner with. As you said, Dave, I think the Blackhawks defensemen are probably going to be more afraid of the Knights than the Knights are going to be afraid of them. Now, the Blackhawks did actually get good production from their D versus Edmonton. They had, um, you know, a lot of point shots that uh, scored either kind of directly or via tips in front. But, you know, overall, their depth just feels lacking here. You know, guys like Olimata, uh, Connor Murphy are just not guys that I think the Knights are going to be afraid to go after. And especially, you know, if the Knights continue to get production from a third line that they seem to have figured out, uh, especially with Alex Tuck scoring three goals during the round robin, it just feels like those bottom pair guys from Chicago are going to have a hard time keeping up. Absolutely. And I, and I think if you're the Knights, that's that's what you want to exploit. Uh, you want to try to get those matchups and, and things like that, you know, take advantage of, you know, Slater Cuckoo and, and Connor Murphy, um, you know, Calvin DeHaan, I think is an okay player, but Adam Boquist, a rookie, you know, there's a, there's, there's a mix of journeymen and, and inexperience back there for them. So if the Knights are, are able to take advantage there, uh, exploit that. I mean, I think, I think that's what you go after. Absolutely. And, and, and like you said, it's, it's kind of, okay, who, who respects who? And, and if you're the Knights looking at that, I, you know, I don't know. It doesn't scare me. I, I, in, in, in a weird way though, this here, I'll flip it a little bit though. I do wonder this because they had Eric Gustafson there for a long time. And then he was dealt at the trade deadline and Gustafson's a guy who criticism against him is, you know, he's loose in his own zone, you know, not maybe the best defensively, but good going forward. I wonder now that he's, you know, with a different group, if, if that unit back there is a little a little steadier, I don't know. We'll find out. But immediately, that's what jumps out, uh, you know, as a as I guess a quote unquote weakness or an advantage that that maybe the Knights have is right there. It's it's that that hole on defense that the Blackhawks are are lacking or missing, I guess. Right, and they can cover that up, you know, a little bit more because now you know Boquist is playing, you know, like. 13, 14 minutes a night. He's not a guy that they're leaning a lot. Just kind of on the flip side, you know, Zach Whitecloud isn't playing as much for the Knights just because he's a rookie and it's the playoffs. So Pete DeBoer can lean a little bit more on his top guys. And Jeremy Carlton for the Blackhawks is kind of doing the same thing. So they're able to paper over that depth issue a little bit. But still, I think anytime you have a guy like Duncan Keith who as uh, you know, I believe 36 years old playing 25 minutes a night you wonder whether that's gonna catch up to you and I lied Duncan Keith is actually 37 <laughs> years old so even more impressive that he's still skating that much uh, now let's talk about you know I think the the most fun position to break down which is of course goaltending from the Knights perspective we don't have official word as we're recording this on Monday the day before game one of this series uh, whether Robin Leonard or Mark Andre Fleury We'll start game one. But it's very fun to think about Leonard facing his former team. Uh, for those that aren't aware of the complete backstory, Leonard signed a one-year deal with the Blackhawks this offseason to kind of, you know, hopefully springboard himself for a long-term contract. He was coming off that Vesna Trophy finalist season with the New York Islanders, but the Islanders, with the system that they play with under Coach Barry Trotz, kind of have this uh, concept in their head of, they can make anyone into a really productive goaltender, so they didn't value 
Leonard as highly as maybe he would have liked to have been valued. Um, and so he comes into Chicago. He kind of has a timeshare with Crawford, who, as I mentioned earlier, has won two cups with the Blackhawks. They have a lot of history with him. And ultimately, I don't think Leonard played as much as he would have wanted to there. He didn't think he maybe had the fairest of dice rolls there when it came to sharing the net with Crawford. And ultimately, he was dealt to the Knights at the trade deadline. The Blackhawks decided to stick with the guy that they've kind of been dancing with for a while, who is also, I believe, a pending unrestricted free agent. Um, But so now we'll see if that decision comes back to haunt the Blackhawks. Uh, Crawford was, I would say, just okay against the Oilers. He's been a very good playoff goalie throughout his career, but games one through three were probably not his best. But then he was great in the deciding game four. Uh, He was really a brick wall against the Oilers and helped steal that game. And then ultimately that series for the Blackhawks, which was pretty impressive because he did start training camp late because of a positive COVID-19 test. All that said, Dave, that lengthy preamble out of the way about how kind of interesting this competition is, who do we think might have the edge in net throughout the series? I mean, okay, so I want to go back a little bit to the defenseman because, like, if you're going to go man for man and all that, I think the Knights clearly have the advantage. And if you're going to look at the goaltending and you're going to kind of say man for man who's better, I think the Knights. Because no matter who they're going to put in there, whether it's a three-time Stanley Cup winner or the guy who's played better and has better stats, I, you know, on paper, that that's the advantage the Knights have over Corey Crawford. Here's here's the thing: it's goaltending, and it's so unpredictable. And you have a guy that's won two Stanley Cups, and I'm not going to say he stole games against the Oilers or anything like that. Hey, he didn't play all that great per se. I mean, I think if you look at his overall save percentage. I think it was a little bit skewed by the first two games, but it really wasn't that good. So in that sense, it wasn't like he pulled a carry price. It wasn't like he went out and and won kind of a series as a as a goaltender. But he's scary. It's like it's like there's that rattlesnake sort of thing there. It's it's like it's just enough bite that it could really hurt you. And so yeah, I absolutely give the the lean and the and the edge towards the, the knights in goaltending. But you just wanted that's this is sort of the thing. Overall, I guess with this matchup and and maybe not to like spoil this over, you know, too early, but it's it's the danger. It's this unpredictability of the Blackhawks. Like, yes, on paper, the analytics and everything, everything should favor the Knights. But you've got this this just weird X factor of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and and Stanley Cup experience and Corey Crawford, all these sorts of things. You just don't know. It's sort of what makes it fun, but it's also what makes it hard for me to say who has the edge because, you know, Corey Crawford might pull a crazy series out of his you-know-what. He's got that in him. We've seen it. So absolutely, I think the Knights have better goaltending, but I'm kind of over here shrugging like, you know, know, how do I couch this a little bit because Crawford's a, a, a really good goaltender. Right, and goaltending, as you kind of mentioned, can be just wildly unpredictable you know year to year but certainly in the playoffs Uh, i also really like your rattlesnake analogy because i think that's a good way to describe the blackhawks uh you know i did have kind of talking about x factors maybe a little bit later in the podcast but i'll you know quick touch on them now the blackhawks are kind of you know a team compared to i think what the other team the knights could have faced here which is arizona 
I think the Blackhawks have more bite, as you said to them, Dave, because they've got a goaltender that, you know, certainly Arizona's got great goaltending, but that Stanley Cup experience uh, that Crawford has, I think, is, you know, really dangerous to play against. And then, especially compared to Arizona, the Blackhawks have those top-end skill guys that can really swing a series just because it's possible that one or two times this series that Patrick Kane scores a goal that only he scores because he's Patrick Kane, that he's able to fit a puck through, you know, a three-inch window over one of the Knights goaltender's shoulders just because he's Patrick Kane. That's why he was the MVP a couple years ago, um, because he's just that good. And those goals, of course, not to uh, put, you know, too obvious a point on here, can swing a series and certainly swing a game within that series that can change the complexion of how both teams are feeling. So I think the Blackhawks do have kind of some danger potential. Now, over the course of a seven-game series, is that going to be enough for them to win potentially four out of seven games? You know, I think that's obviously a very open question mark, and that's why the odds are skewing towards the Knights. But it's certainly something that the Knights have to keep in the back of their heads of, hey, there's a chance that this might not be a cakewalk. You know, this team has got some good things going for it. Uh, Last thing before we move on to uh, special teams with the goaltenders, uh, Pete DeBoer has consistently said every time we've asked him that he's, you know, open to using both goaltenders throughout this postseason. Uh, We should mention, and I was going to bring up the schedule later, there is a back-to-back in this series. The two teams are going to play a Saturday-Sunday back-to-back, which is a time, of course, normally during the regular season where teams would alternate goalies. Um, You know, DeBoer said, I think if we want to get to where we want to go, which is, of course, the Stanley Cup final and ultimately winning that last series, he thinks that we need both goaltenders to get there. All that being said, do you think uh, that the Knights are leaning one way or the other in their kind of, you know, quote-unquote goalie competition right now? Or do you kind of take DeBoer's words at face value if he's trying to be really open-minded and find ways to use both guys? I mean, I think behind closed doors, he's he's got to have a lean and he's got to have, you know, an idea of where he's going at this point. So I do, I do really quick too, because I don't think we've talked about the goaltending. I don't think we've talked about the possibility, especially on a back-to-back, that we could get Marc-Andre Fleury facing Malcolm Subban. Or even beyond that, if we're talking about the danger and the rattlesnake and the poison and the Blackhawks and all that, can you imagine a motivated Malcolm Subban? Just the idea that Malcolm Subban could take over in, in a series and be motivated and potentially bite the Knights is a whole other storyline. But I do think they're leaning. I do think, I do think Leonard, if you're just going to look at it objectively and take a step back, I think Leonard has outplayed Fleury from training camp on. And especially in the games, I, I, I thought Fleury played all right and, and reasonably well in the exhibition game against the Coyotes. But I'll say this, and just to go back to an earlier point, it's, it was an interesting debate I was having with a couple people as to who would you want to face if you're the Knights? Would you want to face Arizona, which you're going to play a much tighter, you know, closer series? They're going to make you pay for mistakes, but they're not as dangerous. Or would you want to play the Blackhawks, who are much looser? But I think back to that game in November, and the Knights got baited into kind of a run and gun 
up and down game and it favored the Blackhawks and Patrick Kane, if I remember right, had one of those goals that, you know, three inch of window and, and things like that that you mentioned, Ben. So it's kind of, it's kind of a whole interesting debate and all of that, but I still feel like Leonard outplayed Flurry. Leonard won the job and yeah, you have to be diplomatic if you're Pete DeBoer and, and I don't think you're going to come right out and say, yeah, we're leaning one way and, and, and we're just not going to tell you or something like that. You're going to play it down the middle as long as you can. But I would actually be surprised at this point if we don't see Robin Leonard lead them out for warmups for game one. We'll see if that ultimately turns out to be the case. I thought it was interesting that uh, uh, Blackhawks center Dylan Strom got asked yesterday, you know, hey, if you have a breakaway on Leonard, uh, who has the advantage? Because you guys obviously have seen each other a bunch in practice. And he said, you know, he actually thought that experience could go both ways. But, you know, ultimately we'll see who has the edge, the the shooters or the goalie that has a lot of experience with each other. Uh, last thing to quick touch on before we wrap up this preview here uh, is special teams. I do want to say just like goaltending, special teams are just super hard to predict during a playoff series because unlike a regular season where you're dealing with you know, this massive sample size and kind of, you know, minor trends even out uh, throughout the course of a long season. Uh, the playoff series, you got seven games and that's it. And so you can see special teams kind of swing wildly from, you know, series to series and swing wildly from what teams did in the regular season. Uh, that said, you know, at least coming into this series, these teams are kind of inverses of each other. Uh, the Knights have had a very good power play all year and have been bad on the penalty kill, while Chicago has typically been the opposite. Uh, actually, ironically, despite all their kind of high-end skill that we've talked about, uh, they haven't been that good on the power play. And I think partially that speaks to kind of the depth that we've been talking about where their second unit just doesn't have a lot of juice. Um, and, but they have been very, very good on the penalty kill. Um, and like I was kind of talking about earlier, uh, both teams have reverse trend in Edmonton because you get these wild swings in the playoffs. Uh, the Blackhawks power play looked really good against Edmonton and the Knights penalty kill was solid in the round robin. It was actually very crucial to their win against Colorado. They did give up one power play goal, but they had took seven penalties and just gave up that one power play goal, which is still, you know, a pretty good success rate for that PK. So, Dave, do you see someone with a, a clear edge on special teams here, or is it not even worth trying to kind of suss out how this is going mean, to shake it's out? Probably not worth trying to figure it out, just because all of this is so hard to figure out. Um, but you know, in terms of breaking it down or whatever, it, again, I feel like it's the same thing. Like, how do you have a fifteen percent power play during the regular season, like the Blackhawks had, when you have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and all these guys out there? Like it kind of baffles your mind. You, you sort of figure the math is gonna gonna work, I guess, in the Blackhawks' favor at some point. Maybe it did in that Edmonton series, and you hope for the night's sake, I guess, that it wouldn't continue. But it is. It's hard to predict. I mean, you look at it and you go, they should be better, but they've also got a pretty large sample size, and in, in sort of you are what you are, and and the numbers don't lie. So in that sense, I mean. Maybe the Knights, if they can, because they have a new coach, because maybe they have a new system, you give a little fit, little bit more benefit of the doubt to their penalty kill versus the Blackhawks power play. 
Um, and then the Knights power play itself was pretty decent, top 10 during the regular season and, you know, scored a few goals in the, uh, in the round robin as well. So I feel like I would give the edge to the Knights there. Uh, certainly on paper, I, I think the, the numbers would, would support that. But again, it's sort of that thing of if you feel like, oh, the Blackhawks have a bad power play and, and we can lax there, Patrick Kane's going to burn you. And, and in the playoffs, a goal like that gets magnified. You get down one or you're down one already and they go down, you know, they go up two on you. So much harder to come back. No, that's very true. And it'll be interesting to see ultimately how this series plays out. Uh, for those of you that are wondering the schedule, uh, game one is Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday uh, at 7.30 p.m. That'll be on AT&T Sportsnet. Game two, Thursday, 2.30 p.m. Also on AT&T Sportsnet. Uh, the game three, Saturday, that first game of that back-to-back will be at 5 p.m. Nationally televised on NBC. Uh, game four will be Sunday at 3.30 p.m. And you can watch that on AT&T Sportsnet. Um, and then, of course, game five, six, and seven have dates. And you can check out the full schedule at ReviewJournal.com to see them. But no times yet because the Knights of Blackhawks obviously have to see whether those games will be necessary. Uh, it should be an interesting series. It's fun to have playoff hockey again to talk about. And we'll try to continue to talk to you guys about it throughout the postseason uh, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts due to this one. Uh, if you like us, it helps people find us. And like I said, we're going to try to bring you guys as many episodes as we can throughout the postseason. Also check out all our coverage at ReviewJournal.com. Once again, we have a special section coming out in a Tuesday's paper, and you can see a lot of those stories start to trickle online as well. Uh, thank you to NFL Sunday Ticket. Deal Dash and Favor, drinkafavor.com, for presenting this podcast. My thanks to colleague Dave Shane. I'm Ben Goats. We'll talk to you guys again real soon. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.